Welcome to The Director's Take, a podcast where we explore how you go from directing something with your mates to being the most senior decision maker on a film set. I'm Oz Arshad. And I'm Marcus Thomas. And we are both writer-directors at the beginning of our TV and feature film directing journeys. The pathway doesn't exist, so we are going to do our best to help bridge the gap. Welcome back and welcome to The Director's Take. We thought we couldn't have a craft-based podcast called The Director's Take and not have any directors on. So, here we have this episode. The problem was, once we actually started recording, we had so many craft-based questions, it ended up being a nearly three-hour chat. So what we've decided to do is split this conversation into two. Here's the first part. Enjoy. We've got a really special guest. She is uh, a fabulous, talented director who started out with one of the first films, which was called Pregnant Pause. And then she did a film um, at the NFTS called Sex Ed. And then she went on and did a whole flurry of different shorts, including Endo, which I love. And then she went on to Sex Education, smashed it, wrote on Sex Education, smashed it, and then did Chloe wrote Chloe and directed it all. Well, directed three episodes, but you were the lead director. So I'd like to welcome Alice Seabright to the director's take. Oh, thanks, Oz. That's very lovely. And it's so nice to be here chatting to you. We've known each other since, uh, yeah, the NFTS making sex ed and uh, just uh, became great pals. And so it's just lovely to be here chatting to you. No, no, thank you. I, I know that you're out there in, um, in the mountains of France somewhere. I went and I hid in the mountains. Yeah, no one will ever find me again. <laughs> On your shining vibe. Yeah. <laughs> all work, no play. It's actually all play, no work, to be honest with you. But Awesome. Yeah. So, Alice, look, we're, we're really, really excited. And, and, and other than it's been a podcast for everyone, like I'm, I'm just happy to just sit down and just chat with you anyway. So this is, this is, this is a, an, an audience for me. So. There is no podcast. <laughs> Good, <laughs> I'm just going to meet myself and go and make a tea. <laughs> Let's go get a pint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, want to spend a bit of time just talking about, well, not too long, but just a little bit of time about how you started. I mean, I know that information's already out there, but, like, what was your, like, first job in film? First job? Uh, job where they paid me was um, when I graduated from uni. I studied psychology, so I was doing something completely different, but I'd done lots of making shorts and uh, there was, like, a film society or whatever. And when I, when I finished, I was like, ah... Oh, I want to try and see if I can get into film. I didn't really know how to. And I managed to somehow, worked to a bunch of different people, and I managed to get um, an internship, which quite quickly became a job, but it was doing like editing. It was like editing. Actually, it wasn't even editing. It was an, being an edit assistant for uh, a digital media company. So it was like editing uh, promos, like uh, trailers, stuff like that. And also a lot of just like creating deliverables. So there's a lot of like export and ATP export, like just a lot of like get, you know, just creating files and helping, you know, just be the general assistant person there. Um, so yeah, that was my first job out of uni. And, and, and what was your first film then? My first film, it, that's, a, that's a tricky question because I, I, when I was a teenager, I think actually when I was 13, because I got, I got into my head that I wanted to make films quite young in a way that I don't 
I still to this day don't really know where the hell I got it from. I think it was a it was a combination of making I'd, I'd done a lot of like putting on plays with my brothers. So we were like three. So I, two, two, I have two brothers, two younger brothers, but we're like very close in age. And so we did a lot of like first playing imaginary games when we were kids. And then we would put put on these imaginary stories that we'd come up with for like our family and stuff. Um, and then I started watching films and realized that there was someone doing that. And I was like, that's what I want to do. But it came a bit out of nowhere. But anyway, what, I remember one of my parents' friends had found out that this is what we wanted to do. And they were like, great, well, you need to get a home video camera. And so we got home video camera when I was about 13, I think. Like just one of those tiny mm. little ones, you know, that's like... And technically the first, I think the first film, I didn't, I don't even know if you call it my film, but the first film I was ever involved in making um, was about, it was called The Cat of the Castle. It was actually in French, because I grew up in France. It was called The Chat du Chateau. And it was uh, my cat, uh, <laughs> who was like the, the, like, uh, the king presiding over this castle. And me and my brothers were like the servants, like looking after the cat. <laughs> Amazing. So that was the first role I made when I was like probably 12 or 13. And is, is that available um, online anywhere? Or is it hidden in a vault? It is, it's actually lost to the to the ages. I don't even, even if I could, even if I wanted anyone to see it, I couldn't find it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I and then I made a few little things like that when I was when I was a teenager that were just really silly. And I don't think, I, the first film that I show anyone, I probably made when I was about 23, I reckon. You don't, you don't shy away from like acting as well in the early films because you were in like Sam's early films, the swimming pool cleaner. It's, Sam forced me. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I did with with so Sam, who's uh, my partner, was also a filmmaker. I think he yeah, was Sam on this Barron. on this yes. last week, wasn't he? Yeah, we we met at uni studying psychology, and so we there was this film society. There were cameras there, and there was editing stuff there. And Sam was always he was a great inspiration early on because he was he was really like. Just he was just someone who was, he didn't fuck about. He was like, let's make a movie. It's the weekend. We've got two days. We've got a free camera. We've got free editing software. Let's make a movie. And so he did that loads, and we did that like with just with friends. We'd kind of it wasn't even like who's directing, who's writing. Mm. It was like just let's get together. The the film society was in the basement at, um, in like below the like theater in in Bloomsbury at UCL where we studied. Um, and famously, like Chris Nolan had been there, so there was his old 16mm cameras, and we were like, kind of geeking out <laughs> about that. And we'd just go down there and just film random stuff. And yeah, Sam was always roping his friends into acting into things, which actually I did as well. I roped a few friends. One of the first films I made just properly myself, uh, I just got my my housemate at the time to act in it. Um, and actually, she's now acting, so. You know, maybe I can uh, <laughs> take credit for that. <laughs> it's crazy how it happens, though, isn't it? Because like you see people's first films, like their first films, but it's usually yeah. the first film which is kind of like done somewhat well. Like before that, there's always oh, like yeah. forty or fifty little projects or or however many, which kind of 100%. gets you to that point. Well, yeah, because you have to you have to try. I mean, there are the odd pe- there's the odd person who just kind of comes to it fully formed or like maybe through another route and then and you know but but a lot of filmmakers I think you just you just learn through kind of messing about and and certainly for me like even though when I was young I, I thought like our oh, film looks amazing I hadn't necessarily thought like 
I didn't know what a director did. Mm. So it wasn't like I was, you know, I, I just thought like, I just want to make stuff with people. It was much more basic than that. I don't think I had a really sense of how the, how the job, how that, what even a director was, or it was more just like I wanted to be involved in making stuff. Yeah. And, and film felt communal as well, which I was really liked. Did you, in the early years, because obviously even though you, you went to the NFTS for a bit, you actually, you weren't from, you didn't go to film school. So what, what was your learning? Was it off, was it off Sam when you first there? Like you just, you both just created stuff and did stuff or were you, you know, I mean, YouTube was quite early then. Um, so how were you, how were you like learning? I definitely just, you know, from the video camera, just filming stuff. And then I downloaded Final Cut pro i remember in probably in 2005 or something i probably didn't pay for it probably not probably what what used to be known as a crack copy yeah Yeah. exactly uh i definitely did that i hope the statute of limitations is out over that but i i basically then just learned final cut pro and um and edited like i remember just editing you know i made like a, a video for like I just filmed me and my friends mucking about and then did a music, you know, put it to music and gave that to someone for their birthday. Like I was kind of doing a lot of stuff like that. And even at uni, I filmed it. I directed a play for the Drama Society and I've decided to film a trailer for it. So I got the actors in and filmed. So I was kind of learning how to edit and then, and then just working, you know, and definitely kind of learning from people around me, definitely Sam, there were other filmmakers there, there were there were, um, there, there were people who were more interested in cinematography, people who were more interested, so you kind of learn a bit all of that. And then, oh, it's you know, it's really dumb, but I, I learned, um, actually with, with Sam, we, he had this little gig where he would uh, film business lectures for the business school, um, and he would like, they they pay him quite good money to like film the lecture and then edit the video and we did that like every week as a as just like a way of earning money. You just edit, you know, just from editing loads of bits and bobs. Um, I just kind of learned that way and then it became more kind of serious. I think it's more like the writer because I had been writing as well, but sometimes not not even sometimes scripts, but sometimes even like prose, whatever. And then going like, okay, this fun thing of making stuff with friends combined with actually trying to tell stories then it became a bit more deliberate and a bit more serious over time, but, and watching stuff as well. So it was like combining all those different things. You learn a lot from watching, I think, as well. Did you learn any psychology at all when you were at uni? Did you actually <laughs> did, do that? Did I learn any? Good question. I did study it, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, no, it it, yeah. I, I, just, I just thought this imagination of you and Sam just shooting all the time, <laughs> like not even going to the fucking lectures. Yeah, no, we, we, it, we did. I did, yeah, I did. I did learn quite a lot in the end. I quite like. I I really enjoyed the degree actually. Um, I was quite uh quite uh, quite into it, and um, but I think I did a yeah. I just did a lot. I just did a lot of mucking about, and it was also fun shooting. So you know, and and also at uni you have to, like five hours of lectures a week mm-hmm. or something, so you can kind of get away with uh doing other stuff and. You know what's mad? Like I, I teach once a week at a uni, right? And all everybody at that uni, because times have changed from we were at uni, like you know we got we got money to go to fucking uni. We didn't have to pay these fingers. They've all got jobs in their spare time, so they don't have the spare time. Like we are, we have spare time to do shit when we were at yeah. uni. I just found that that's fascinating. That's depressing because yeah, they're paying nine grand now, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, that that is definitely a part of it because like 
and and I I was also lucky doing like I did I I taught French a bit I did you know the business lectures it was like quite good money for the for what it is like you know as soon as you have to get like a a proper part time job like in a bar or whatever you you you're you just it sucks you can't up do the fun shit on a weekend where you're pissing about with cameras and just learning no. without realizing you don't have that free time yeah to waste. you can't yeah it's so it's depressing actually the way that yeah because it it takes away and part of what the I think the uni experience is which is just that freedom it's a freedom you don't get ever again really yeah. <laughs> um later to just be like oh I'm I'm, I'm just going to see what happens and experiment and try things and yeah. learn it's like a safety net to become an adult yeah. isn't it <laughs> basically mm. yeah totally adulthood. yeah what did you both study I went to statistically the worst university in the country so that is uh University <laughs> of Bedfordshire Luton Oh, what did you study? I, I did media production. Film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was super cool. broad. Like nice. some people on my course were, yeah. were, were like making apps. Other people were doing radio. I just chose to do film. Oh, yeah. nice. And I did media tech. So it was kind of similar. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, after that, like, how did you th- then get the thing of, I need to get funding to make a short? And then, and, and, and was that something more strategic that you did in, in terms of choice of story that you wanted to do? Or did you just like, this is what matters to me? Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to know like what you thought the pathway was going to be into the industry at that stage. I was really confused about that for sure. I I, I remember because because when I graduated, I'd actually apply, I'd applied to do a master's in psychology to go to to basically continue down that path. Um, but I was having all these existential crises of like, oh god, I don't know what shall I, what shall I be doing and what even is like how how am I going to get a job how do I get any job? What is a job? <laughs> like what, what, you know, yeah. What's the next step I, over the summer? I had this be, I, I was basically like, I, I'm, I don't think this is right. And I think I'm going to, you know, whatever, spend all this money to do a mark. It's, it just doesn't feel right. And what I'm going to do, what I, I want to try the film thing, but I honestly have no idea how to get started. But so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask to defer and I'll give myself a year to see if I can get anywhere um so I did and they agreed so they said you know you can come back in a year and so I was like okay I've got a year and and I think yeah I I didn't totally know where to start I wrote to a bunch of people I kind of I I I asked yeah I remember writing to someone and getting a coffee with them and then they said okay you, you should look at these people maybe you can get something here to that I just sort of was asked asking questions of people and trying to work out. And then, yeah, I got that first job in this digital media company, uh, which, you know, was a million miles away from really the reason I wanted to go in that direction, but it was something that was utilizing the fact that I knew how to export a video file (laughs) Um, and edit some stuff. You know, I was like, it's something. Um, And then I actually, I got really depressed in that job uh, quite quickly. And was just like, I, I don't see a way. Because also I feel like, I don't know if you guys felt this, but I felt like when you're really, like for me in my early 20s, I just didn't have a good concept of like the ups and downs of life. So I was like, this is my life forever. Like I really mm. felt like I was yeah. going to be in that job for the rest of my yeah. life. And that I could, it just made me so, feel so down. I was like, this is so awful. Um, and then eventually, even though, you know, like as it was like now I look back on it I'm like I learned a bunch of things it was great you know it was it was actually a good experience and whatever but it was just I couldn't get out of my head that this was it forever yeah yeah 
And so then after a while, I just quit. Um, and again, I ended up writing to this guy who was a documentary filmmaker in India um, and just saying, can I come work for you? <laughs> and then he said, sure, that's fine. I can't, he said, I can't pay you, but I can pay your expenses. So I can pay what it costs for you yeah. to live. Um, like, uh, as in, you know, basically to cover your rent and just a little bit of money. He was like, it, it's not, it's not a proper salary, but it's, it will cover. And so I did, um, I went and did that. And then I- In India? In India, yeah, in Delhi. Oh, wow. Bloody hell, how long for? <laughs> for four, it, was not, it wasn't that long. It was four months, I think. Fucking hell. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a leap though. But again, yeah. it was it was kind of flailing. I was a bit like, what you know? And then I I I heard about this guy. I just wrote to, it. Was it was I really didn't have a good sort of sense of a plan at this point. After four months, I'd had a great time, but I was like, I want I want to come home. Came home, and then and then I stuck. Then I got was getting a bit closer to maybe what you'd call the film industry because I st I I'd worked out I can't remember how I'd worked this out but I'd worked out you could be a script reader, so I started writing to companies and saying do you need script readers and for a while I moved I'm really lucky that my grandma my mum's mum lives in London so I moved in with mm. her, which again like if you know if you're trying yeah. to do so I was able to like. I was again like I was doing some tutoring and like teaching French and like bits and bobs and then script reading a lot for free but then it started to build up and I was kind of doing it that way and then through that I met more people and then eventually I was like oh you can work in-house for a producer and kind of read scripts and stuff and so then I I, I went that way first I worked, I got um, an internship uh, which was and I remember I was running out of money so I, was, I decided I, I agreed to take a month uh, of this internship and then I would have to like just go get a full-time job that I'd, I'd managed to kind of because I wasn't paying rent to kind of sit you know get yeah. through to that point and at the at two weeks in the the, the the person who I was working for said oh I'm leaving she'd been there for five years she was like I'm leaving and because they're disorganized they haven't they haven't arranged to like hire a new person yet great <laughs> do you you should like do you want me to teach you how to do the job and I was like yes please so she did, and then I I basically became their assistant for a bit, and that and from there I I then got another job in development. So I basically started working in development and for producers, and oh. I didn't get funding till I then worked in development for two and a half maybe no th two and a half or three years for a um a big producer, which was great and I learned a lot. But basically, after a while, I was like, I'm, I am writing, but I'm not making anything. I haven't made anything in, yep. you know, three years or something. Yeah, then I quit. And then it was shortly after that that I first applied for funding for sure. But I'd been writing quite a lot. So I was kind of, I'd gone down that route a bit more at that point. So you had like a, a drawer full of scripts that you were kind of waiting to make at that point? Not so much shorts, actually. I'd, I'd written a feature and I'd written a, a TV pilot. But I hadn't, mm -hmm. I didn't have a lot of shorts, but I then started, that was, that was kind of my goal. I was like, when I, when I leave, I'm going to, I'm going to get, so then I started temping so I could manage it around, you know, it's more flexible basically. And I was like, the goal now is to make stuff. So then I started mm -hmm. writing shorts that I could make. I remember like when I first met you, it was you who introduced me to this concept that there's a thing called a treatment. 
and there's is. a thing called uh, you know those documents and I remember the picture yeah. that you did I was like what the fuck is this like <laughs> Like, well, that was yeah, totally. Well, because you don't know these things no. when you're when you're when you're kind of first getting into it. But actually, that stuff I learned from working in development. It was like suddenly yeah, you're like yeah. being, you know, you're the assistant whose job it is to read all that stuff and 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 say what should go on to the pretty, you know, what should be read by other people. I remember you sent me a few, and I was like, "Fuck, she's got like three or four here." <laughs> and, and I actually remember one of them was actually That's... Chloe, I think, which will yeah, come I think on to it later. was yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was, and and isn't it mad like how things happen? Like you you were in that place, so and it just mad. happened that her five year thing finished, and then that allowed you to get the job. And yeah, it, it, you just have to be in the right place at the right time, don't you? I mean, that's the thing. Like what you guys are saying about the pathways, it's kind of a bit terrifying sometimes when you think about it because it's so different for everyone. It is so much these strange like things that happen, of, like when you know the route you go down, the person you meet, the, it's it's all these stuff that you can't totally, you don't totally have control over. But I think the one thing that I do believe and that I feel like somehow I had, even though I didn't know where the hell, I, what the hell I was doing, I, it, I think you have to just like be in the moment and like try and do whatever it is you're doing as best as you possibly can. And like put, be as kind of, I don't know. Do as much and as be as be as present and as kind of take uh, all the lessons. Yeah, with yeah. in what you're in, and then exactly. move on to the next. You know, it's like almost sometimes I think if you overthink where you're going, you actually don't end up there because you get you you sort of don't concentrate on what's in front of you. I think. Yeah, um, I, I I agree because I, I always I, mean, I touched on it earlier, but it's it's one of those things where. When you look back at the route it's taken you to get to where you are, everything kind of lines up and makes sense, right? Uh, and as you're saying, all those jobs which you did, all of the skills are kind of transferable in one way or another. Yeah, um, 100%. And you can't account for that. Yeah, that's so true. And I, I definitely feel it with, yeah, I, I, I'm so glad for all the things that I did that were not necessarily obviously directed. And even now I feel like, I, 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 I really feel like you have to, like your life experiences are as much what you put into stuff than than the craft of filmmaking, and so as long as you follow your nose and are interested in what's in front of you, that that will end up being put into it. But if you, it, it's all a soup of experiences and skills. Because filmmaking is such a bizarre job where you basically have to know how to do so many things, or <laughs> mm. you have to have. It's such a like you say, um, uh, it's so many so many skills in towards one goal you know yeah i remember um, you did i remember you once did a um i think it was a 22 minute or 20 it was quite a long short in a flat i think you did it just before or just after you were at nfts i can't remember and you said oh, you yeah. shot it in two three days and it was so long and you directed it you'd edited it and you'd shot it <laughs> wait was it was that um was that twi- was that twins i can't no. remember i just i just i just remember it you doing yeah. it all, and remember how long it was. I just remember those two probably, things. Probably way too long. Um, and I was like, "Wow!" Like you know, you, you're right. You, like the filmmaker now, you have to be multi-skilled. You can't just yeah. arrive at just doing one thing. You you know, you have to know. You have to be aware of so many different things. Yeah, and you know as well the people. You know, like I feel like it's much easier to talk to editors having like I haven't pr- properly edited now for a long time, but I think. The fact that that I can, or I don't, honestly don't know if I can anymore, but the the 
the fact that I have done it makes it a lot easier to communicate that stuff. I think knowing the different elements, like the different jobs involved in filmmaking, is helpful because you sort of you edited sex head, didn't you? So. Wow, I mean that that was a nine minute <laughs> nine minute take, so it was it was the shortest edit of my life. No, but there was, there, there was there was there was there was at the start and the shots, end. But there were probably like there were probably like ten shots in the whole film. <laughs> so I remember I was like do 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 do, and within two days or something, or maybe it was even like an <laughs> afternoon, I had like a first cut, and I was like, "This is how you do things." <laughs> yeah. So with all those shorts, um, which you've done, because I think you got to the NFTS and um, I think from there, the ball kind of just started rolling, didn't it, over the course of a few years. So like, did you, with all the shorts that you made over that time and, and post NFTS with, with Endo, like what, did you have a strategy behind those when you were picking projects or was it just a case of these are the shorts which resonated with you and you're going to throw them out and then whatever happens, happens? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I did that. I think I I was always, I think what I was thinking about was what can I make now? Um, and because even Pregnant Pause, we ended up submitting it to, um, we ended up submitting it to Film London, but it, originally I was like, let's, um, I'd, I'd actually gotten together with a friend and we, we like balanced ideas off each other and we were gonna basically write a bunch of shorts that we could just make um and so with pregnant pause it was definitely like oh it's mostly set in a flat i mean probably it would have been really hard to make without funding but um but i'm sure as well probably i would have ended up adapting it or cutting bits or whatever to make it more achievable in a flat but but that was sort of the think the thinking first of all and then well, as you remember, well, yeah, Oz, when we were doing the um, scheme on uh, at the NFTS, there was a like I, I wrote another script that was gonna that we were gonna make, and then in the end, it it just wasn't achievable, and the budget like the budgets that we had were were too small. So I could, I actually did a similar thing there. Where I was like, okay, well, what what can we make in July for the budget that we've been given by the school, which was I think you know it was four or five grand or something plus um equipment so it's not insignificant but I actually think I I just wrote some because Mark who's in it I wrote to Mark and I was like let's make something together let's meet up and just talk until we find an idea that we like so and I've done things a lot in that way of just like what what's the thing I want to make right now what's the thing I can make right now and then often when I look back I can see that whatever I'm thinking about at that time is being poured into it um but it's i remember when i remember when you i think you sent me a quote no no you sent me uh, an edit of it and i was on my way to a mosque on a friday for friday prayers yeah and we were having this conversation about the explicitness of of of, of the sex <laughs> education thing while i was walking into the mosque i remember, I, remember. <laughs> I think you did didn't you like leave me i feel like you might have left me a voice note being like i just watched the film i'm walking into mosque <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah i'm so sorry Oz. <laughs> Um, but that's yeah. fantastic. So let's let let let's move on to talking about like you know TV because I remember you were taking meetings and whatnot, and I think you were close on a few things, and then you know the sex education thing happened. Talk to us about that. Like how did that happen? From NFTS, you did Endo, you did mm. um, the Phoenix. Um, yeah, I, I made two shorts NFTS and then the and then Endo, and actually NFTS was a a real time for me of because. Um, I was, 
I didn't st- I didn't do two years. I just did with the one year, and it was the second year because they'd had a dropout at the end of first year. So I I basically arrived halfway through the course. Everyone already knew each other. Everyone was like, you know, doing their thing. I was trying to meet people and understand how the hell everything worked whilst figuring out what films I was going to make. And so then I wrote, you know, I, I, they were similar. It's like, I just write it, what you can make for this time, whatever. But I, I, I you know, I think some a lot of stuff I made there was experimentation. It was a lot of failure, basically. A lot of, you know, I... I think I made a lot of mistakes and a lot of things that I don't like so much actually, but I I learned so much from being from fucking up a lot very in a in a short period of time. Mm. And that's valuable, isn't it, Alice? Like oh I remember my God. when we were at dinner yeah. that time at Annette's and you were talking about some of those some of those decisions that you'd made that didn't quite go your way and looking back now how important they were for what yeah. came after. I feel I feel like actually I was a different director before and after those experiences and that I think because partly my personality and partly also how I learned to make films I think I'm I'm incredibly um adaptable and quite ready to compromise and because I'm just like what you know to me I was always like yeah we can't we don't have any money or we can't we don't have the right equipment or we don't have the right location so we make it work like everything was about making it work and kind of enjoying the process and and all, and all the rest of it and i think what i found in some of those experiences is that there are there are there are some things that you have to fight it's basically learning how to fight for the things that are really important some people need to mm. learn the other lesson you know i think some directors are too rigid too they're like this is my vision i can't budge from it and you know if the chair's not red I'm gonna have a fit but like it but for but and those directors might need to learn flexibility but I think where I was coming from I had a lot of flexibility I had a lot of ability to compromise and actually what I learned from those experiences was to to sometimes not to to know what's worth fighting for and what isn't and to trust your gut let your gut tells you when those moments come 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 I think and you have to sort of go ah this one's, this one's important. Don't let this one go. Mm, mm. Um, but that was a tangent because you asked me something else. Sorry, I no, we enjoy tangents. <laughs> it, 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 it was just, it was just. Then, then, how did you get onto sex education? Yeah, because there's like a wild. Was there a wilderness um, from from what you experienced between like making your shorts, like at the NFTS and post NFTS to getting your TV job? Well, but, uh, bizarrely, there. There, there actually wasn't there was wilderness uh in between the shorts and you know there was a lot of wilderness along the way but somehow i i got into a role with making a lot of shorts quite quickly one after the other and i got an agent by the, by then um and so she started putting me up for for jobs and so i was kind of in this thing of making a lot and at the same time meeting on stuff and i met on a lot of things that that period didn't feel too much like wilderness because I was also constantly making stuff so it felt a bit like the jobs the job interviews were like I'm just going to a job interview but I'm not necessarily expecting to get I'm not hanging on getting this job I'm I'm just doing my thing and then I'm going to do these job interviews hoping that something happens and I and I met on the first series actually of sex education and didn't get the job but I think I got quite close so they Mm. and you know the other thing to say by the way, is that sex education is a particular show where 
because the, the the biggest hurdle is going from shorts to, to making to, to getting a, to a first feature or making TV. Like that's that's a really tough hurdle for any filmmaker. And Sex Education is a show that you know their ethos from the beginning was always t- to kind of support young filmmakers and and kind of new voices. And I think almost there's there's a lead director, but almost every other director on the show comes from shorts um and it's their first tv credit or mm. or you know pretty much their first tv credit so that's amazing it's really important yeah it's so so important amazing because i think that's what um people people were saying about the landscape is that previously there were lots of schemes or like tv shows like skins and stuff which existed which could give you could blood new talent in, uh, but it's few and far between now especially post-covid because everything's ramped up and the turnaround between projects is so fast and it's such a demand it's like yes. it's longer to blood and vet new directors and also sometimes coach them through the process so yeah um, completely it's to get that first jump completely and also i i do think i don't know i think we're in a really weird time in the industry at the moment where everything's a bit bloated there's there's a lot of projects there's a lot of whatever but there's they're also very expensive you know there's a lot of very expensive projects there, there aren't so many of those, yeah, like you say, skins or those shows that really just couldn't kind of be a training ground for people, both writing and, and directing-wise. And I don't know, I, th- I think we're in the middle of seeing a shift of some sort. I don't really quite know, can't quite read what exactly is going on, but I, I would love to see anyway more of like a, a renewal of, of less expensive projects that um that are bolder and can also mm. take more risks on young talent and stuff like that because I just think that's how you that's just how you feed the industry otherwise it just gets really stale and old and sad. <laughs> yep. I hear that. So what would you say um was the biggest difference which you experienced in going from shorts to directing uh long form T V? Yeah, it's a great question. Um I think so uh, I, I had two quite different experiences on sex education and on Chloe. But what was interesting was that when I started on sex education, I remember thinking, and you know, it's worth saying sex education was a second series. There's a lead director, um, yeah. the crew, the cast are all from the first series. So they're all, they all know what they're, they're kind of old hands. They all know what they're doing. And so in some ways you're coming into a ship that's already sailing. That's really quite reassuring in lots of ways um and so I remember actually being on the show and thinking wow this is actually you know this is amazing because I get to work with all this incredible cast and the resources that I've never worked with before and um and and you know in in so many ways this feels like a step up but in other ways it feels easier than making a short because you as you guys know right when you make a short you also like make the food you also uh you know yeah, uh, have to like y- you're the one calling up yeah. the like spark to s- because someone drops out and you need to get a new one and y- you know you're, you're just like doing everything well, no one's going to care about it more than you are on the show exactly it's it's yeah. all on your shoulders and you don't have the money to pay people mm. properly to do to do that that work so i found you know when you make a short it's like say say you're filming for three days there's basically a month and a half where you're just running on adrenaline pretty much and you come out of it at the end just completely exhausted. 
Whereas, you know, weirdly in TV, I was like, oh, you know, obviously this is hard work and it's, it's more, it's longer. So there is a sort of more of a marathon element, but on another level, there's a car that picks you up and takes you to set. And then at the end of the day, when they say rap, you go home and sure you do some prep work, but you don't carry the kit into the back. You know, you're not like doing, yeah, yeah. And, and you're not going home and, 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 you know, freaking out because who, you haven't finished making the sandwiches for tomorrow or whatever um so that 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 felt really different and and the the biggest sort of challenge i think that i hadn't uh that, that felt different to shorts was i think we've talked about this before actually but like the the, the feeling of you know when you make a short you don't it, it's it's short so it's all in your head it's all there it you know say it's 15 minutes you you can track it very well and you always know you know where you're at in what part whereas as soon as you're doing something you know like two hours or three hours of material on a monday say you go and you go into film and you're having to like somehow remind yourself where you are in the story what what you know what comes before it what comes after you know really make sure that you're tracking the story in its in its long form in a way that a short just is it's not it's naturally there because it's because of because uh, it's not so much to carry in your mind so I was doing a lot of that as well of prep work of you know on the weekend going into the following week going over what scene you know what scenes you're doing that week reminding yourself exactly how it's all going to fit together so you go okay I've shot this the, the scene before it so it's got I, I know what that's going to be like so I need to kind of hold on to certain things like whether it's cinematography or um you know performance level for the actors or just you know un understand like sort of piecing it all together as this much much larger puzzle so that that felt quite different but then when I went and did Chloe it suddenly felt like I was making a short again but for for, for 12 months because even though there were big much bigger resources than I'd had on a short and a lot of people doing great work, you know, there just was so much, I think, on my shoulders that I just couldn't work enough, basically. I couldn't, mm. you know, uh, like... I remember once I, I remember once I, 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 I thingied you for a script and you said, Oz, I'm going through, I'm going through some fucking madness right now. Get Sam to do it for now, please. I'm just yeah. going through something. I could, I could feel it just from the text. Oh, my God. I was in, a, in a, an absolute... I was. I felt like I was drowning constantly. I was just like, I haven't slept in weeks properly. Like you know, I'm. I'm on the weekend. I'm working through the weekend. I'm waking up at three a.m. to send an email because I've just remember. I've just had a thought about something mm. that you know wasn't. It's just like and and you know there was also like, it's the weekend and I've got to rewrite the scene that we're doing next week because I wanted to rewrite it but I haven't had time. So it was just like it was just a an insane experience that. I, did, I came out of that going like, wow, this is, I mean, I hope that's the hardest it will ever be because if it's not, I don't know if I can keep doing it. <laughs> so before we go on, Chloe, just, just going back to sex education, like I remember one of the opening shots of the, uh, I think it was your episode and I noticed like, I think you use a crane maybe where it goes over the bed or, yeah. or it's a dolly shot or something over Gillian Anderson, it goes over. And oh I was yeah. Like, and I was like, She's got toys, like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I've not seen that on the shorts <laughs> like that, you know? What was that like? And that, like, understanding, like, 
You're yeah. utilizing that for story, using the, the, those tools as, a, as an aid for story for the experience of the audience. Yeah, that's a great question. The, it, that's fun. That's really fun, that, that side of it, because it's true. It's like, you know, it's all these toys you haven't ever gotten to play with before, <laughs> and you're just like, what? Um, and even like learning, you know, uh, even learning the, the names of them sometimes, I was going like, uh, you know, I know I, I've seen a shot like this before, but I actually have never seen it done, you know. And yeah. um, um, so that was that was really fun. I think um, it's a combination of like that sort of is your that in a way that's your your job. I think as a director, particularly at any time really, but I feel like it's definitely on TV where you know, arguably like it, it's not your show. It's not your you know you're not you're not coming in with a vision really you're you're telling a part of the story of a wider story that loads of other people are telling your job that no one else can totally do is to hold on to what the story is and where you are in the story and make sure that's coming across and that's both when talking to the actors who are doing so many scenes all the time uh and you know they they have a sense of the the their their characters they have a sense of um i mean they know their characters they're basically the holders of who their characters are and of what in some ways what the scene is but the the making sure that the story is being served is what where you're coming in and i think same with cinematography you know the, the cinematographer on sex education is amazing and he's really good at you know it, he would often suggest stuff like that that I, I wouldn't have thought to suggest a shot like that because i wouldn't have thought that it was ava you know available to us um yeah. but but he's he it, but but you could have a conversation with him where you're really coming back to like what is this moment what are we trying to show mm. and so he might also suggest and he ha really has an eye for that but he might also suggest a couple of different things and together you go well this feels like it's telling that beat better and in a way you have to lean into that being your job because a lot of the locations have already been chose you know they're the locations from the show the cast are already there the tone's been mm. set the visuals the visual style's been set then when you get into the edit there's a lot of stuff with like exactly how you edit it and also the music and the score and all of that but definitely on the day well or in prep and on the day you're the you're the kind of caretaker of making sure the the emotions and the story really land across the whole episode great i mean the first thing you do is read the scripts right and from there how did you go about prepping like what did you kind of see which was like I need to attack this because this could be a problem or or were there moments or which you kind of you think you have a, a specific vision of how you're going to execute it and you kind of throw suggestions out um yeah if you could talk us through that that'd be really helpful yeah totally I, I'd say there was probably like a bit of general prep beforehand which is re-watching the show like I, I was doing a second series so if you were like a second block on a first series, I think that's actually one of the hardest jobs, by the way. I've never done mm. it, but I think it's probably one of the hardest jobs. It's where the show doesn't yet exist, but you're not leading it. I think that's hard. But so I, I, I had a show, you know, there was a show there for me to do my homework on. So I basically watched the show over and over and tried to work out like what, you know, what is the language of the show? How do, how do they go about telling the beats of this like how do they do emotion what kind of shots do they use what kind of visual grammar mm. again sex education is very specific in that it has a lot of 
it references a lot of other shows, a lot of other shows, but mainly films in its language. So like it's a lot of John Hughes and eighties like Pretty in Pink and Breakfast Club and like it, it's that those sort of kind of classic rom yeah. American rom coms and American high schools, you know, uh, teenage Ferris stories. Bueller. Ferris Bueller, yeah, all that mm, stuff, which mm. I, I love as well. So mm. I kind of got to just rewatch all of those and get that that language um, seep seep that in a little bit. And then and then yeah, you have the script. So I broke. I got. I think I, I'm becoming less and less analytical. It maybe in some ways because I've learned some of these skills, but I think. I definitely was quite analytical about it at the beginning. I was like breaking it down in, you know, like um, creating documents of like this scene after that scene. And, you know, um, and actually I remember Ben Taylor, who's the lead director on, on the show saying to me, you know, he he gave us a lot of useful tips and things about the show, about how things work, whatever. But he said, you know, like, for example, if you have a, there's a lot of steady cam oneers in the show. So there's a lot of like, down the corridor on a steady cam and the whole scene plays out in one um he said like if you you know if you if you do a steady cam one like that try and follow it up with the next scene not being that like that because you need to be able to mix up the pace and also certain types of scene that might work better you know when you cut you can affect rhythm you can affect comedy in a way that with a steady cam one you can't so just learning stuff from him and watching the show and kind of working and then and then breaking it down and going okay well maybe if we do this like that and like this like that you know some sequences it's like okay two characters in the uh classroom talking there's going to be one way of shooting that scene you know the deep the dp is brilliant and knows how to do it you know you can you shot list but it's not going to be a very complicated thing and then the other sequences that are much more visual or, you know, I had two dream sequences in one episode where that was a whole thing that I prepped loads of documents and loads of references. And so some stuff needs more prep than others. Mm. And then I definitely found that as I started and, and was kind of, uh, like I did all this as much prep as I possibly could, but then they definitely got a point in the shoot where the stuff that I hadn't been able to prep started to, I sort of, this happened on Chloe as well. I think this is TV, uh, which someone I know referred to as a meat grinder the other day. Um, it, there's a point you get to where you're just like, I am just like, I, I'm I'm rolling, like I'm, yeah. I'm tumbling down the hill now. Like I've done, I've done, I've prepped half the show or three quarters of the show. And now I'm just like, prepping the night before for the following day. Mm. How did you, were you in control of, sort of like your confidence there because especially on something like tech education when that happens because you are almost like fucking feeding yourself into the meat grinder aren't you <laughs> yeah yeah you get your future sausage it's yeah. uh it's bad <laughs> but um it's also great but it's it's intense i think the 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 one thing i'm and actually i think someone said this to me so i'll pass it on like yes do some general prep yes do some try and do the script in order but best laid plans i have not yet i mean you know i've had two tv experiences so this might change but i have not yet been able to prep the whole script in order effectively for the whole thing and then being able to apply that so Mm. you can have a general conversation you can pick out difficult and important sequences that need the most prep do that for sure 
and then start to prep and schedule order because basically then you're giving yourself an like a a, a lead right uh, yeah. because what you don't want obviously is to prep all the important stuff and then arrive on your first day and you're not prepped um but if four weeks in five weeks in you know like and and then you, it's tiredness starts to catch up with you as well so you're like okay well now it's the weekend I should be prepping, but I'm just going to do some quick prep and then I just need to sleep or whatever. You're Because you're four or five weeks in, because you've hopefully left the least important, not least important, but the, the most straightforward stuff is the least yeah. prepped. Yeah. By that point, you know the crew, you know the cast, you know, and actually you've also gained that you're, you're in the muscle of like getting up every day and directing. So you're much, you actually can show show up not having kind of spent hours thinking about the scene and writing out, you know, doing elaborate diagrams of camera positions, you can show up and kind of respond in the moment. And, you know, you might have written down a jotted down a kind of quick shot list and had some thoughts, but you, you know, uh, and obviously that's not like in on sex said, the final sequence that we did was that dream sequence. That was the lot, my last day of shooting. We did the whole day on those two, Oh no, on, on just the one sequence. Um, and obviously if I hadn't prepped that, that but that was one of the most complicated sequences, so it'd been prepped across months. So it's mm. it's balancing those two things, but I think so what the most important stuff prep prep first and prep the most and then in schedule order because then you just sort of end up on a bit of a train um that is yeah, good and bad, you know. It's, did, it's, it's, did you did you learn about how important the first AD was to your job because they are without them you're fucked mm, like how, yeah. how like and obviously because at short film level i don't think you're going to get that kind of that real attention that you need um in in short film unless you get lucky and you get someone who's amazing because they're all working aren't they yeah. um, so how, how did that how did that kind of work did you like, like the transition between working with someone who's just an incredible first ad um that's on these big shows because um, um, they're instrumental in all of that yeah totally i mean again in that thing of like having done all the experiences that you do really teaching you i actually think although to be fair i i worked with some great first ladies on my shorts but also what often what happens on shorts even if you've got someone great is that you don't have you don't have days to pay them prep no, exactly, or whatever yeah. so you don't really feel like you can be like oh here's the schedule you you, you know get back to me I would always be like, okay, I'm, I've, I've pre-scheduled it. This is what I think. This is da da da, and and you know, and then they, and then it's back and forth, and um, but you're doing a lot of that work yourself, even even with someone brilliant. Just just out for me, it was more out of like feeling guilty of like asking them to do a bunch of, you know, that we weren't paying them properly. But I think once actually having done that, you really it's it's really helpful. I think because actually. The more I think about it, the more I realise that, you know, schedule decisions are creative decisions, budget decisions are creative decisions. And I think the more you can actually understand how a schedule works and what, you know, be, have a scheduling mind, the more you're going to be able to influence decisions that will ultimately make the film or the show better. And same with um, with with budget. And so I think the more you can get into a conversation you know, I think if you just sort of, even on a big show, even with a brilliant first AD, you, it's a, it has to be very much a back and forth of like what, what's gonna make 
the 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 show the best version of itself mm. um so that's useful i mean no it's what's amazing as well you know on the on those sorts of sets is just like the way the machine is such a well old machine and but to be honest i've found that on shorts when you're working with good people as well sometimes you sometimes you you know it can be a little hairier but it always blows my mind like to just watch a set work. I'm, I mean, you guys, I'm getting referring to it must have been insane because it's just like yeah. the level of how many people there are, are there, how many people are working on it. And somehow it's like this like ant uh, I think colony. One of the one of the first things we kind of really noticed was first of all that like it's not that different really. But I think the other thing was if you're not ahead of the show prep wise, then stuff is going to happen whether you're influencing it or not yeah um the show is just going to move one way or another so you can either be on job and be on top of it and try and get your voice in there some way like not not that it's about an ego and you need to squeeze your voice in but you know what I'm yeah, trying to say. Totally. Like, if you, you can like actually make things somewhat creative and uh. be somewhat proud of the work you're doing rather than just covering and fighting yeah. up against it the whole thing just moves it's a monster in its own yes. in its own way it really um, is yeah it really is. And it's it's both like, um, it's kind of awe-inspiring and terrifying in the, in, <laughs> at the same time. Because on one level, it is amazing to just be like, oh my God, suddenly like, you know, on set, like, everyone knows, everyone's got their job and everyone's doing it. And it's building to this thing of like, of, of you know, being able to make the scenes come to life and the right things in the right, you know, more yeah. often than not the right things in the right but obviously there were fuck ups and everything but I'm more impressed by the fact that it's working to the level that it's working and <laughs> yeah. you know it's insane and and then on another level it is a bit terrifying because it sort of becomes a beast of its own you know um, yeah. and time is so I find time really painful uh, on set <laughs> it definitely can be I, I sort of have this dream of like yeah, of like bringing back down to basics and being able to be more, to have much more time and be more flexible with things or whatever. Because it's true that, you know, on on a big set like that, it's like okay, we're turning, you know, we're turning around to like yeah, yeah, shoot yeah. the other show, you... and it's like oh, here we go, one hour, yeah. <laughs> and everything yeah. takes so long because it's this big like cumbersome, you know, beast. Um, yeah, you will have to shoot in one direction for yeah. like get all of your stuff done and then plan all of your coverage so you can turn everything around and look the opposite way because yeah. all of the equipment and hundreds of people need to move and it's mad it's, it's that and kind it's, of yeah, I, you know I, i've not been on something of the scale of going friends i reckon how dragon I, it's it's just it's just nuts um but uh yeah i think there's good and bad so sometimes i think loads of people and loads of kit it, it's it's obviously great it does have it slows things down and it does have sort of problems as well yeah, there's that creativity, which is kind of freeform creativity anyway, yeah. is kind of gone. Yeah. <laughs> you can tweak things, but you can't do wholesale no. moves of direction. No. You can't decide to pl like move a scene no. to a different room like on the day a, a, at all. A couple of times, because cause there is a lot of waiting around, like, we, I'm not going to say no names, but a couple of people who shadowed, they'd be like, bored as fuck. Like, yeah. fucking hell just like what's going on here do you know what I mean yeah. like, bored yeah. as fuck why are we not shooting yet <laughs> why are we not shooting yeah. totally yeah. I, uh, yeah I mean I've been that person before just been like oh my god like an hour and a half why are we not and, and actually because I've usually I think I get the feeling you guys have more time but certainly on Sex Vision and Chloe the schedule's so tight that actually 
I wouldn't actually say I was bored. I, it, I'm like, I'm bored and st- and stressed. It's like the worst combination because <laughs> you're like, we haven't got time. We haven't got time. I've been waiting for 25 minutes. We haven't got time. We haven't got time. And so mm. you're just sort of simultaneously panicking and like, like bored because nothing's been happening for the last however long. What do you do in those moments? Do you read your notes? What do you do? I pace a lot, a lot of pacing. <laughs> The first DZ I worked with, he was a minute great on Chloe. He would always make fun of me. I think I'd just go, okay, okay. <laughs> He'd be like, it's not good. It's not how it was written. No one's, no one's going to be fast because you say that. Um, and and then I talk to the actors. I look, yeah, go through the notes and try and get ahead of what what was, you know, what was happening. Just or, a few shots ahead. Yeah, or, or talking yeah. to people. You know, there was there's always stuff to do, but... A lot of the time, it, it's just pacing kind of way. And, and something just going and checking, like, is there anything we can do to speed this up or whatever? Um, it's just kind of the nature of, yeah, of that type of filming sometimes. To bring it back to sex education and the prep situation. So you were saying, like, you, you, you had, like, a couple of sequences which were, they took a lot more time and you kind of manoeuvred the schedule and stuff to allow for that. Obviously, you're working with, as, like, a, a second block director. And so with that, how did you navigate coming up with the ideas for those sequences? Were they on the page or did you have to pitch them to the lead director and, and the producers? Like, how did you go about getting those moments in? Um, so they're, they're on the page, but as a kind of story point, really. So like the, the, the in particular, the dream sequences, it describes what's happening in the dream. But obviously then to translate that into like how you want to film it, what the look of it is, what that's a whole separate thing and yeah there was a sort of informal pitching process I, quite quickly I was like this is a really great opportunity to do something cool so then I started preparing like a document with visual references and ideas and uh and everything and then I think I started first of all talking about it with the DP and the production designer and you know they they're they're then kind of riffing off of it and going oh what about that you know um I remember the DP showing me a music video reference that was like echoing in some of the ideas I was suggesting he was like oh we could do it some and maybe with this technique we we did um like match cutting and so so basically mm. we were kind of we did a it, there, there were three shots but we kind of we we set it up so that you could cut between the, the three shots and it sort of the whole thing felt like kind of one movement or it sort of felt like it was actually quite dreamlike. You sort of felt like you were in one location and then suddenly you're in another location. And then so, yeah. And then the production designer saying, is kind of throwing in ideas and saying, oh, if we build this thing, then that could work with this. And so that that bit's really fun. And then, yeah, and then I ran it all past the lead director who also then is throwing in ideas and going, you know, or, like, or giving, saying like, watch out that or this might be tricky or kind of, yeah, throwing in stuff. And then... Yeah, and then and then it kind of all built towards it was the last day of filming. It was the, probably one of the most fun days of filming actually because it was the mm. the kind of most wacky thing to pull off. And and there's something really satisfying about feeling like you've planned something kind of meticulously and then it and then it comes off. And yeah, it's still one of my favorite sequences in the in the episodes, I think. And and obviously it's it's all about it's all about I'm not saying that you were ever bad. I'm just asking the question: Have you got better at communicating your imagination to people through departments? I probably was bad at some point. I've also developed maybe more of a shorthand, even with myself, of like you know, because both in stuff that I've done, 
but also stuff that I've pitched for, stuff that I've stuff that I'm writing and that I've developed. You know, you, you kind of do all these visual documents and you think about things visually and you talk about references and whatever. And so I've over time done a lot of rewatching the things that I love and piecing them apart. And there are there are often uh, shots or sequences or visuals that I'll refer to over and over again it's like almost developing your own language of I don't know do you like do you guys do that do you have like a sort of evolving uh like reference folder in your well I say it's in my head and in my computer but you know things come up over and over that that end up being part of my like toolkit of ways of thinking and talking I I'm always amazed that no one else can see exactly what's in my head all the time in the way that I see it always and I'm always surprised that people don't see it um, I know because they all nod when I speak um so yeah I'm it's one of the things I'm trying to get better at and that yeah that that involves kind of I started to do lots of treatments for Mm. everything yeah (laughs) um just like every sort of like key aspect of a story I do like a little mini treatment which is like a little visual doc and Mm. description of of what that is and then I think trying also to do page turns as well oh, with yeah they're each, so good each member of of uh, the crew I, f- I find so so helpful just because there's even though like they might not even see the value of it and you might have to fight them to get in there sometimes yeah. um once you're there there's so much that comes up which are just complete like indiscrepancies in like your vision like like the differences yeah which I, I, th- yeah. I think I think I think for me um one of the things, because the short I'm working on at the moment, I haven't written it, but I helped like develop it. Is really understanding the writer's intention uh, on the page of what of, of what it is, and if that's aligned with. Because obviously, you don't want to you don't want to have different <laughs> different uh, ideas to what the writer's intention was when you're trying to translate it onto the screen. Yeah, completely. Uh, that's a huge part of it. I think when you're when you're directing something you haven't written, and and also I think it's getting to the bottom of like it. Yes, obviously, you don't want to have a different intention to the writer's intention, but also if you don't quite get it that's when you're on set that's when you're not you're going to be like shit you know like an actor questions a line or you know you realize that there's something about the moment that you just you, you fundamentally haven't like that you there's not there's something with it that you're, that you're just not quite getting and then that will always show up on set and you don't quite mm. know what to do um and so I, yeah i've definitely i feel like i've learned that over time of just like really really make sure if it's not your if it's your writing it's easier but if it's not then you have to just sort of question every bit of it and if you don't get it fight you know talk talk to the writer and and the thing is it's small it's stuff like when the first time you read it you think you get it all but then Mm. by the 25th time that you've read it and you're really thinking about like how you're going to do every piece you realise there's something I just don't understand why this person, this actor is doing this, or what this moment is supposed to be showing, demonstrating to the audience. And if you can get to the bottom of that, either you understand the writer's intention, and you're like, oh, now I get it, now I can do it, or you end up pushing back and finding a third way, or that you know, if you can convince the right, you know, if 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 there's something that is fundamentally not working with the moment then maybe the writer will find another way to deal with it or... Did, did you have that, obviously? I, I don't know how the writing worked, but obviously you were the director directed someone else's script in season two, but then you ended up being the writer and someone else directing your script in season three. Yeah, I mean, with the writing, I was in the room and then I did a 
couple of drafts I think of the of the episode but then I ended up having to start on Chloe and so Laurie who's the show creator um took over the rest of the script and so we, we have a shared credit as well I mean she she overwrites a lot anyway because she, it's sort of her vision in, in some ways with that I felt like I was part of the overall team of coming up with storylines for the for the for the series but when I actually look at that episode I you know a lot of it has changed since the draft I was writing and it didn't. Mm. It doesn't feel like, you know, if in film or even in, it, it doesn't feel like it was, you know, like my script and then I was handing it over to a director. I definitely felt like I was part of Laurie's team mm. to kind of bring her, you know, the series to life for her. But yeah, but when but when directing, I, d- I definitely did a lot of like calling her up and saying, I just want to check this moment, like, what do you think? Or any sort of uncertainty that I had, I just kind of voiced to her most writers i know really appreciate that because it's it's also a respect for their you know that means you respect the writer's intention and you're not just like this is my play thing to do what i want with because i'm the director you're you're treating the writer like the filmmaker that they are (laughs) so that's so so the last thing about sex education before we move on to uh, I think this is going to be a two-parter, actually. We'll have to end it on a cliffhanger. <laughs> the way we're going, yeah. Definitely. Okay, um, I need to stop, to stop for babbling. What were the hardest lesson, hardest things to navigate or the hardest lessons as a first-time director on TV after that? What what were they? Before you did Chloe, can you remember? Yeah, the length of the process, staying sort of dealing with the length of the process, but that was a lot harder on Chloe. Um, I'd say probably on sex education, it was getting the right balance between being your own voice and having an opinion and being the you know the director of the episodes that you're doing and someone you're not you're not just coming in and saying like part it's funny part of me felt coming in like they'd be making the show they know better than me and another part of me was like well if I'm the director shouldn't I be coming up with everything and saying you know having all the answers um, and in fact, neither is true. I think that what I, the, the, the place that I found that was good and comfortable, but took a little while maybe was to, to just be honest about my thoughts at all points. Um, obviously there are some decisions that end up just being your, you know, like if you're going to go for another take or whatever, there's no, you, you're not running, you, there's a lot of things you can't, and even just how you're going to shoot something, you're not running that past anyone. It's not micromanaged in that way. But, you know, bigger bigger things might be like casting decisions that are across the whole series or location decisions or um, or even on your episode, like a track that you want to use or whatever. I would always be very vocal with my opinion and make my case. But also I became very at ease with the idea that fundamentally, it you know, certain things uh, are not, it's not my position to like to have the ultimate you know, say on that thing, and that's fine. Um, it, that's what the job is. Um, but it's almost like just because you don't have final say doesn't mean you should keep quiet about your opinion. But equally, just because you have an opinion doesn't mean that you should think that you your opinion is correct over other people's or that, you know, you should fight to the death for it. It's like, say yeah. your opinion. And, you know, the more important that opinion to you is, maybe the more you can voice it and the more you can fight for it. But ultimately, you know... It, it's it's someone else's show and you you have to just you know be willing to kind of go okay great no worries but also you have to say your opinion because 
if later on, because sometimes the thing that can happen is like everyone's thinking the same thing, but no one's saying it. <laughs> and so that's why you just always say it. And then you might suddenly realize everyone else is going, yeah, I th actually, you know what? I agree. Um, whereas if you don't say it later on the line, if someone's like, well, you thought, and you're like, well, I didn't, I just didn't say it. It's like, well, then you should have said it. Yeah. <laughs> always, yeah. always say it, I think. Yeah, that's super handy to hear. Um, so you did this, you wrote on you wrote on the show and then you got your own show <laughs> commissioned. How? Oh God. <laughs> it's, yeah. That's all we've written down as the question is how. is how. How did you get your own show? So this concludes the first half of our conversation with the wonderful Alice Seabright. We'll release the second part for you next week, so you won't have to wait too long. In the meantime, though, please do tell your friends and your enemies, we don't care, and reach out to us on Instagram on the Directors Take podcast, on Twitter on at Directors Take, and also by email, thedirectorstake at outlook.com. We want to shape this as a resource for you, so do reach out and tell us what you want to know about directing or the film industry at large, and we'll do our best to tell you. And if you really like the episode, then leave us a review on whatever platform you get your podcast from. And I think that's it. So until next time, keep learning, keep failing, and keep the faith. <laughs>